This week on the Woven Energy Podcast. Remember what I said about animism being a state of being? It's not something that you choose to be, it's something that you are. And that technique will address not just bat, but it will also start to help you with the next level of shamanism, the Amskar. Toshal Teen is done with no desire for the future and no thought or clinging to the past. Imagine you're in a business meeting and you start pulling the guy next to you's ear to see what'll happen or something like that, you know. Uh, adults tend to frown on this kind of thing and you, you probably get chucked out of the business meeting if you start doing that kind of thing. Human beings tend to think of nature as simple. It's like binary. Oh, either I can get across the stream or I can't. But actually, the reality of nature is wonderfully and bewilderingly complex. It's fantastic. And what a great way to practice your chalicity. Toshaltine uh, has kind of that, was that lyric, all you need is love, you know. And this is said in shamanistic circles a lot. Hey guys, welcome to episode eight of the Woven Energy Podcast. I'm here once again with Damon Smith to talk about, as always, shamanism from the ground up. Our mission through these podcasts is to lay down a complete resource for shamanism as it used to be and as it used to be practiced. So for today, we are going to continue this week with our theme of where do I begin with learning shamanism or if you like, how do I become a shaman? And to crystallize what the first stage of shamanism actually is, we call this chalicity in English, which is a made up word to try and give the best kind of flavor or essence. And it means to be a bit like a chalice, you know, be the cup ready to be filled, emptying yourself, uh, preparing yourself to let nature in. In Mongol, this is called the Baktamshdesalb, if I've got that right. Chilicity is a state. It's a, a natural state you can put yourself in and it forms the foundation of shamanism, um, maybe like a, a pillar in the supporting structure of shamanic technique. So last week we talked about the first component of chalicity, which is called bat in Mongol. This week we are going to kick off with bat again and go through another exercise you can do. But I also want to go over last week's exercise again and crystallize it for you in a clear step-by-step way so you can go away and do it with no doubt as to what you are doing. Um, but first, what's chalicity? Um, what really helped me in last week's episode to get a more solid understanding of what chalicity is was Damon's example of the eagle and the goshawk. It was probably my favorite part of the episode and and the eagle with its incredible um, visionary per, uh, perception can't possibly absorb all the information coming into its brain on the baseline alone. The the baseline being its its thinking mind, its rational or, or, or logical mind. You know, oh, there's a rabbit. Uh, taking all the information it sees and processing it in a in a rational way, so to speak. It has to merge with na- with nature in a way that it can pick up on very subtle cues to sense its prey from such a long distance and such a wide field of view. And it does this in the eagle's version of a state of chalicity. But also think of the goshawk flying through the undergrowth at such speeds and agility. Um, it's like a Formula One driver going at, say, five times the normal speed on a dirt track without knowing its road. It's it's inconceivable. The goshawk has to have a certain connection to its surroundings and be guided by the the spirit of the place. Certainly not thinking, oh, there's a branch coming up, I better swerve to the right. If it thinks about it, it'll break its neck. This state the animals are in, when doing what they do, can give a, a flavour of what chalicity is. Now, Our natural state of chalicity as human beings is different to that of a bird or that of any other animal, but it's there. And studying the animals can be very enlightening for us uh, in getting in touch with our our own nature and our own chalicity that's unique to us as as human beings. So in a nutshell, chalicity is about getting rid of stuff 
absorbing the information from our surroundings unfiltered. You know, the mind's baseline desire to filter and categorize things. Well, we have to get rid of that. If the eagle thinks, it loses its prey. If the goshawk thinks, it breaks its neck on a branch. So we have to start this process of developing chillicity by developing the ability to shut down our thoughts and start letting nature in unfiltered in a in a in a kind of state of presence. So I've talked enough and I want to bring Damon in. Now, before I get into the actual step-by-step process from last week's episode, Damon, are you with us? Hi, Joe. Cool. Is there anything you want to add or clarify with what I've just said? No, I, I think that was a reasonable summary. Um, the uh, the state of chillicity, um, it, you know, a, a reiteration rather than adding. The state of chillicity is isn't a state of being. It's it's very easy when we talk about things um, in, in general in in daily life as human beings. It's very very easy to um, to to think of things as conceptual. Um, to think of things as something that I, as we've said before, that I analyse and then come to some sort of conclusion about or some sort of categorization for. Um, mm. Chalisti, however much we break it down, you know, we've broken it down into Bat, Toshel, Teen, uh, you know, as I said, um, I think on one of the podcasts, there are other ways of looking at Chalisti, many other ways of looking at Chalisti. Um, so, for instance, um, one... Um, would be uh, there's a people in Siberia. They're they're not the famous ones. They're not the famous uh, Tungus uh, people, the the, the Avenki people, from whose language the actual word shaman comes. Uh, though they are very closely associated with these people. They, they, these are people called the Yakut, and they um, they have a rather different. Well, it's not a different. It's the same thing. It's it's still chelicity. But they, they're incidentally, they're they're one of the most shamanistic peoples today, as as things stand today in the world. Um, and I, there's kind of a historical reason for why they're still so shamanistic, um, and that ironically is because of you know we we talked about when when society. Um, when civilization arose, it it tended to suppress um, shamanistic activity, and ironically, uh, relatively recently, we were talking about seventeenth century, so sixteen hundreds. Uh, this happened to the Akut uh, Christian forces uh, went into their basically their area of Siberia and and brutally suppressed them. I mean, it, it was this, it was to the point where seventy percent of the Akut population actually died. Uh, were killed or, or died as a result of the the kind of violence and suppression, and I think partially because of this, they they have held to their shamanistic their shamanistic origins, um, uh, held onto them actually very vehemently, um, and they are they are really interesting people, um, but the 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 particular aspect of Yakut shamanism. Um, that I, that I wanted to make uh, reference to in in relation to your question is they they combine. You remember we said the first two levels, Bagtamstesab and and um, the Amskar, the the breath. Um, and and so they, we, sorry, just to cut the the stages of shamanism now, not the components of chilisty. Chilisty. Yeah, uh, sorry, you're quite right. Breath, the, the, yeah. 
the stages of, of becoming a shaman, if you like. Um, in that society, kind of, you know, we said there's usually seven steps, yeah? Um, but they're not always looked at in the same way. And, and they have this wonderful uh, verb in their language called tillin, um, in the Yakut language, um, which obviously there is no English translation of, but it is a wonderful verb. And it's it's sort of the... It sort of means... Uh, to come alive, to to blossom, to um, to uh, come into the world, and th- there's a there's a shamanistic exercise that I use um, that sort of combines. Um, you know, you asked me last time about is there. A, is there a, a, some simple exercise that people could do uh, or simple technique that people could apply in order to work on their chalisti or to work on their bat? Mm. Um, this this um, particular shamanistic exercise uh, is, is based on this kind of uh, shamanistic technique, is based on this Yakut concept of tilin, or, or it's, it's based on, it's kind of working on bat, but at the same time working on amskar. And it's a. Uh, it might be worth um, taking a moment just just to describe it in case somebody wanted an alternative to the. You know, we we talked about uh, finding a place to stand up high or finding a place by the sea or by a lake um, mm-hmm. to practice chalisti. This this is this is uh, this particular exercise which I actually call the ex- the, the, the the technique tilling. That's that's it to the to a yakut shaman. That has a much broader context. Uh, this this technique would be part of that, but it would have a much broader meaning. Tulin is is a big deal to a Yakut shaman, but but to me, because most of my shamanistic terminology is in Mongol, not in Yakut, I, I tend to call this thing Tulin. Um, so, as we said before, you you want an open posture um, with your with your uh, with your uh, chalisti, it, it helps to have an open posture, a posture that's open to the world. And as I've said before, I often adopt a, a position with my palms slightly turned upwards, with my hands extended, in, either out to the sides or upwards or both. And I will stand, usually obviously not with my feet tied together. Um, they don't have to be particular wide, Um Actually, if if you see me really getting into my spirit dance, then you probably see my feet go quite wide as I'm moving. But that's a dynamic thing, and that has to do with the power and the, the flow of the energy in that. But but just for for practicing chalisti, you know, shoulder width or slightly more than shoulder width is fine. Um, and in this talon technique, uh, I there's a position like you're you're a bird with folded wings, so you. One of the things in, in throughout what I'm about to describe, one of the things that's important is that you are relaxed. Your and your hands are almost always throughout the exercise. The palms are slightly turned upwards towards the sky. They don't have to be pointing at an exact ninety degree angle towards the sky, but they, they, they tend to be turned upwards throughout. The folded wing position uh, is with the wrists crossed directly in front of the body. Um, and this this position, remember we, we talked a little bit about Amskar. Um, 
in that uh, we said it, it was a good idea for, for moving into Amskar to observe yourself and your breathing very lightly. So this also when I'm and when I'm saying do these things because some of these exercises are all or techniques are more complicated than others. This one I thought was relatively simple that we could describe it in a podcast rather than doing a video or something. But you need to use that lightweight observation of your breathing. And to a certain extent, you need to take some sort of control of your breathing. Because I'm going to describe you breathe in on this bit, you breathe out on that bit. When you're doing this, this technique, don't concentrate too heavily on your breathing because that will drag you down into the roots of the tree. So it's a it's that kind of lightweight. Now, if you've been out practicing that that kind of thing, you know, we talked about like a spirit animal looking over your shoulder rather than you directly absorbing yourself in a heavyweight way. Hopefully, as time goes by, you'll get some sort of idea about how your breath works in relation to, to your, your movement and your intention. Um, so from this folded wings position in in the folded wings position incidentally the, the fingers are separated you don't hold them tight together but they're separated the hands throughout the movement tend to stay in line with the forearm what i mean by that is there's no bending at the wrist anywhere but the wrists aren't held rigidly solid they're very relaxed everything's very relaxed and from the folded wings position you start to practice your chalisti. You start to practice your bat. You know, we, we talked about the um, the sense, the, the, the borag shikhar tarate, the, the sense of uh, being keen, you could say keen, keenly sighted, but unfocused mm. in the way that an eagle is, or hatzog, which you've been referring to as gosok. Um, the you know, holding on to the environment, holding on to the woven tapestry or the woven, the weave of nature. The woven while, energy. The woven energy, if you like. The, while um, while practicing that in this folded wings position, which is simply, you know, your hands out and then you cross the wrists in front of your body. Um, from that folded wings position, lightly observe your breathing and when you when you find yourself about to breathe in, turn your upper body slightly to the left and then turn it back slightly to the right. And as the breath the, the in-breath builds, you spread your hands wide back into the um back into the um the palms up embracing nature position. So it's a, it's the same position we've been talking about, but it's a way of entering that position on an in breath, and as you do that, feel like you're drawing in the environment. Feel like you're drawing in the environment through your eyes, through the top of your head, through your hands, through your feet, and drawing it in from your extremities into your center, into the center of your body. Again, don't imagine it. Just you want to adopt mm. that feeling. It doesn't matter. Take it from me, scientifically speaking, that's not exactly what's going on, but you can get a sense of that. So if one of the things you can think about is, is shamanism, especially esotericism, they're frameworks. They they deal with reality or in, in their correct sense, they deal with reality. Yeah. But they deal with it in in a way of kind of rules of thumb or um 
ways, relatively simple ways of making sense. And when I say make sense, you know, top line, midline, baseline, all acting together as one. Mind and body and spirit. Yeah, they make sense out of what is actually physiologically speaking and biologically speaking, very, very complex stuff that's going on behind the scenes. One day, I hope we'll get far enough with these podcasts that we can start looking at the science behind this. It is something that I've spent a lot of time on in my life. Mm-hmm. And the science, unfortunately, the science behind it is extraordinarily complicated. And, and it has, uh, it's multifaceted as well. So what shamanism has done over the eons is built a framework that helps you deal with complex things, um, in, in relatively simple ways. You can draw an analogy with, for instance, uh, Newton's laws and Einstein's laws. Newton's laws are not as accurate as Einstein's laws, but they're much easier to work with. So today, many scientists still work with Newton's laws whenever they can get away with it because they're good enough. Because mm. the calculations involved in Einstein's laws are so complex that they'd rather not go down that route unless they absolutely have to. I know there are times when they do have to. So you can think of shamanism like this it, it, instead of being in terms of physics, in terms of nature and understanding the natural world. So from that folded wings position, we, you turn two ways as the breath builds, as the in-breath builds. You can think of in-breath as building. You turn two ways. And then you turn back the other way. So if I've turned left to begin, then I turn right, and then I spread my hands as I'm turning to the left, which brings me back to the the front, to the open position. From here, I continue to breathe in. So this is a long in-breath we're doing. This is why you do have to take some level of control over your breath. But you want to Mm -hmm. do this in the lightest possible way. You bring your hands upwards, So you're raising them up as if you're trying to embrace the sky and you bring them up till they're about shoulder width, high above your head and the palms face both upwards and slightly to the back. From here, you've been breathing in all this time. So this is a very big in-breath. From that position, you hold that position until your out-breath starts to build. And as your out-breath builds, you gradually and naturally allow them to come down as if you're gathering something to yourself, as if you're embracing something, and they they come down back into that folded wings position. One of the things you can do for some for some level of sophistication in this so you're not getting too one-sided with it is if the previous time on the in-breath, obviously you can then repeat on the next breath. If the folded position on the in-breath went to the left, to the right, and then open back to the left again. This time, you can go to the right, to the left, and open back to the right again. Now, this is mm. this is quite a good exercise. Um, as I said, I call it tulun after this yakut, tulun. this amazing yakut word that obviously there's no equivalent of in English. Mm-hmm. Um, coming alive, um, blossoming, um, but but in in terms of it's not just like a flower opening. It's like in terms of the the vitality turning on inside a living organism. And I I find this incredibly good exercise when I don't feel so good. Um it's it's 
incredibly enlivening technique, Tillin technique. Mm. And um, it's, it's an alternative, you know, we were talking about, you know, people who live in a city and, yeah. and you know, th- there were some difficulties with practicing the, the one I described last time. So I just thought it's probably good, even though we're, we're here supposed to be talking about Torshal Teen, while we're still on the subject of bat, uh, to bring yeah. in that technique. And that technique will address not just bat, it's very good for bat, but it will also start to help you with the next level of shamanism, the amskar, the, what we describe as breath. That sounds like a great exercise to do, especially if it moves us forwards towards stage two of shamanism, which I'm sure everybody will be eager to do. Um, but uh, yeah, it sounds like a really good extension on last week's exercise as well, which I want to go into in a bit more detail. So let's just take a minute to look at last week's exercise. Um, I thought last week's, I thought the what we went over last week was really good, but I do, f- I did feel like um, the exercises needed solidifying, you know, kind of crystallizing. So what I want to do is make this as simple as possible for people and lay down what we discussed step by step, so everyone has a path to follow. And cool. you know, we both know this is hard to do as they kind of merge together. But anyway, um, so guys, for me. And I'm going to get Damon to jump in when I've finished, but this is about, um, the exercise we did last week was about the first component of Chalice 2, which is bad. Um, uh, and in English, it kind of means discipline or steadfastness. So step one is to develop the ability to to still your thoughts, quiet the mind, stop that background chatter that goes on in our minds. And as Damon has said in a previous episode, develop the ability to simply sit for extended periods of time and uh, quote unquote, think of nothing. Now, there are lots of resources out there that can help you with this under the guise of meditation, so long as the exercises don't involve the use of imagination. It's, it's really important that it doesn't involve imagination. It's also important not to get too wrapped up in this stage. It's not the be-all and end-all of shamanism. It's rather regaining a basic skill that's lost uh, that we all really should have. So one basic exercise for this this could be to sit quietly and try to focus on your breath. Um, You can do this to a count or simply acknowledge breathing in and out. And if you find your mind wandering, acknowledge your thoughts and just let them dissipate. 20 minutes a day is good. Just um, set 20 minutes aside and do this every single day. Then step two, this for me, this feels like um, where last week's exercise begins. So step two, find somewhere you can see far. Uh, It could be looking over the sea. It could be a lake. It could be the top of a long street or even a skyscraper looking out over a city. Although the less populated, the better. But sometimes this isn't possible. And um, what you need to do is open yourself up physically, palms out. Uh, you could even open your arms a bit, like embracing the surroundings. For the more observant of you, you could look at our standard image on the Woven Energy Facebook page of the nice-looking girl with her arms open. Um, it's a bit exaggerated, but along the lines of what I'm talking about. Um, well, actually, very close. Um, uh, I I tend not to um, I tend not to spread my arms um, to the ex- this is this is for much later stuff. This is for when we get into the actual. Well, I wouldn't say it's much later. We, we get on to stage three when we're talking about spurt dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend not to spread my arms so that they would go actually literally out one hundred and eighty degrees for each other. That so I I would tend to have I don't know a hundred and forty degree spread between my arms. So you know, to, again, don't drag it on the baseline. But there <laughs> there are issues with the the continuity, the continuousness, the flow. You remember we talked about my definition of the word flow. Yes. Um that that 
moving arms out quite that far. I mean, you could do it. Uh, the, the time I would, that would happen to me is if I'm, I'm moving at fairly high speed and I'm really deep in, in the shamanistic state, um, in the spirit dance. And, and then they would just go there through their own momentum. Yeah. Um, but, but for this particular exercise, I, I, you, you don't, you, you, you want to feel very natural. You don't want anything that's very, very, um, awkward or, you know, Put on. Um, so, but yeah, but if it feels, if it feels, I guess I'm thinking of Julie Andrews and is it Julie <laughs> Andrews in the, in the sound of music? You know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Yeah. Uh, I might have the wrong actress. Um, but the, you know, if you feel like doing that and it's genuinely your spirit that your spirit that's driving you there, then do. Yeah. Mm. Um, then do. Yeah, but, but don't do it because Damon and Joe say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. but what I would say that that was that was quite a good photo that you used. Um, it's not a million miles away from what we're talking about. Okay, great. So back to the exercise. Um, let's use a lake for an example, but it's anywhere you can see far. So you stood by the lake, you're gazing out over the over the expanse, and you relax your gaze, you breathe deep. And this is kind of where stage one comes in. You want to still your thoughts. Um, and this is where it becomes a bit more focused than ordinary meditation. Try to absorb what you see unfiltered and try to pick up on the subtle energy changes within your field of view. Shut down those categorization filters. I was just, sorry, Joe, I was just going to say, rather than using the words try to pick up on, mm. I would say allow to come to you. Uh, okay, yeah. 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 So, yeah, allow to come to you those subtle so energy the, changes. The, one of the, the things with turning off your filtering, which is what we're trying to do here, is that you, uh, it's that, that feeling of embrace. We, the, mm. the way in which a salmon picks up on all that stuff that ordinary people don't pick up on is through a very large extent is the shaman does not reject it. And and people don't think about rejecting a lot of the sensory information that's coming to them, but they do. They reject a huge amount of it um, for the purposes of expediency, um, for, for, for reasons relating to the miasma, for lots and lots of different reasons. They do. Take it all. Take it equally. Don't, don't place importance on one thing rather than another you know the the sound of a seagull versus the sound of a wave versus the sound of the 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 little pebbles moving in the in the foam versus the sound of the wind versus any other sounds or sights that you might see it all comes it's all welcome there's no distinction there's no discrimination there's no judgment it's all completely welcome well, I yeah, yeah. And I liked what you, when you compared that to the eagle soaring high above that vast vicinity, picking up on those cues, um, absorbing them in the mind, the body and the spirit, not in the mind alone. Um, and that's why I was trying to talk a little bit about step one, which is simply just quietening those thoughts. Um, and and it's yeah. kind of a difficult thing because you can practice, you can practice uh, stage one whilst doing stage two, you know, yeah. you can do yeah. that. Um but but can you purely do stage two without the ability of stage one? No, I don't think so. Um, it, so it builds, it builds. It, yeah, yeah, it, it joins in with each other, doesn't it? So there's no harm in practicing stage one, sat in a chair at home in your living room. There's no harm in spending 20 minutes a day sat trying to 
quieten those thoughts and still your mind. Uh, but stage two is where it becomes more focused and develops your chelicity. Um, so is that correct, Damon? Yeah, the the you have to be careful with the word focus. Um, the because it, it, to a certain extent, it's it's unfocused. It's mm. it's welcoming all and everything. Um, but it's it's disciplined. It has bad to back to this word, but you know, <laughs> I keep trying to use English and end up with a it it exhibits bad. It it, it, it exhibits remember what we said if the eagle doesn't accept all then the eagle goes hungry um yeah. because of our buffer zone if i don't accept all i can still go around the supermarket so um, yeah. yeah there's a, a bit of a difference there but but to do it i have to to a certain extent take on that spirit that the eagle has the bird would you say chelicity is a completely completely normal to us as human beings it's just we have lost that focus yeah exactly it was so it was before we became a civilized species would you say that yeah yes and what i would say is for instance the people like the yakut that i mentioned they you will find among them a lot more people in general exhibiting a higher level of chelicity uh, than we do day to day even though they have had the, the, the miasma landed on their heads in a very painful yeah. way. Um, they, 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 they're somewhat, I mean, some of them still live by hunting, uh, especially in the far north of Siberia. Some of them still live by hunting. So you can see, you know, they are, um, they are closer than us to the source. Um, and this is why, you know, we, we said shamanism is, is found all over the world. But it's yeah. everywhere all over the world. It's been influenced to some extent by the miasma. But in, in Siberia in particular, uh, at a time when that hadn't happened so much, it actually happened in a big way, but not in the huge way that happened to us. Um, we have historical records. We have documentation from a time when, for instance, the Tungus people um, were the, that's the people who use the actual word shaman for their shamans mm. um, were were still a very very shamanistic people and we have records and, and, and research was done at that time and again co- compared to us these people are still very very shamanistic today so that's why Siberia um, Mongolia um, that, that area of the world is very interesting it's not that shamanism isn't all over the world it is but that area is very interesting because they they've preserved what was once there better than we have, um, mm. better than people probably as well as anybody else anywhere in the world, um, and better than most. Would you say they're more animistic as well? Because uh, uh, definitely, yeah, I found it very interesting when you were comparing the practice of chelicity and developing chelicity yeah. to basically becoming an animist. Yeah, quite interesting. Um, I I would say that you know I, I've been very friendly with a, a, a significant number of Mongolian people in my life, mm. um, and what I would say is that they they demonstrate animism even without thinking that they're animists. That making them true animists, some of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, do you understand what I'm saying? I yeah. Remember what I said about animism being a state of being. It's not something that you choose to be. It's something that you are. Yes. Um, and uh, and as I've said, I think before, also animism and chelicity, to a certain extent, they are synonyms for each other. Cool. Um, 
So is there anything else you want to add with that exercise that you just talked about, the second exercise um, in how it how it works together with the first exercise? Or would you say, well, you know, step one? It's just one, an alternative technique. It's an alternative technique. Cool. They, they both work on bat, just the one that I described under this Yakut word, the tilin, this, this Yakut verb, um, which is a fantastic word. I just love it's that great, word. It's great, yeah. Um, the... <laughs> I wish we had a word like that in English. Maybe maybe we'll invent one someday. We'll, 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 you know. It's going to be our mission. Let's get into the Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> the, um, the, the, it works. It, it, it's, it's good for practicing bats, just like the other one is, but this one also does work on your Amskar at the next level. So you, you get yeah. a, a double yeah. whammy. But also, if you're getting a bit confused, um, you know, people listening to this podcast, if you get a bit confused with when we're talking about the AMSCA, um, after we've talked about the first three stages, uh, that is going to be the next thing that we go on to and, and talk about a little bit more. So do not worry. Um, so I think I think there's one thing, I, there's one more thing I want to ask you before we move on to Toshaltine that we were talking about in last episode, just clarify, because in last week's episode, you mentioned that you don't like the term meditation and i've mentioned it a few times this uh, this episode so uh, maybe you were believing that people would get the wrong idea of what we're talking about you know chelicity being a, a more focused direct practice than the many many geysers that meditation takes because for me for my definition of meditation it, it helped man it, it really helped me and i don't want people to dismiss meditation rather rather know what we mean by it so could you yeah. clarify a bit further what you mean by not wanting to use the term meditation sure it's it's uh, like a lot of words in english it has a lot of baggage for me mm. it has a lot of baggage for me uh, that's associated with it i've i've been interested in um and and studied the, the spiritual traditions of um you know you, you can probably tell my my particular area of interest has, has been east asia um uh in the broader sense of so that's a big chunk of the world you know if you, you talk like we're just talking about the yakut um you know yakut yeah. the, the tongos people um the, the, Cyber, the siberian Mongolian yeah. people china japan and and so on so um, siberia yeah, so, so both, both the tongas people that they're, they're called the venki that's the, the modern uh politically correct term for them the venki and the yakut they both live in siberia just siberia is such a big place yeah uh, so you can think that uh the, the venki live in if you like central siberia um, over a big area. Evenki is actually, the, the language, the Tungusic language, is actually used as a kind of lingua franca for different tribes and different cultural groups that live in that region of the world, very big region of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, this is this is a very large part of the world's largest country. They, they, um, they use the other tribes, including the Yakut, they actually use the, the Evenki language as a, as a kind of a trade language when they're trading with each other. So for instance, people who live in, in the Yakut society will know the word shaman because that's a, a Venki word. Mm. So, so Siberia, Siberian shamanism is very special, but it's not different, but it's not different. And this, this is sort of answering your original question about the word meditation. It's very special, but it's not different. It's mm. very special only in the degree to which it has survived. Mongolia, uh, Mongolian shamanism is, has also to survive to a very great degree. Um, but the reason I use Mongol words more than I use Yakuto or Venki words, um, 
is is just familiarity. I'm I'm quite familiar familiar with a lot of these these type of words. Um, I'm quite happy to use any. Now coming back to the term meditation, in the sense that, um, it I don't see it as stilling your thoughts. Um, what we're trying to do is get rid of them. Yeah, we're trying to sweep them away. Um, so, you know, we, we talked about Oharai, you know, the, the Shinto priest will come along. <laughs> He's got this paper streamer stick with paper streamers, and he'll sweep it over your head to try and sweep all the dust away from you. You know, the Hokori, the dust. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see it as still as getting rid of them, um, sweeping them away, cast them aside. Um, mm-hmm. In in practicing Chalisti, thoughts are thoughts are not your enemy. Don't don't. Think that I'm saying thinking is your enemy. It's absolutely not. The baseline is important in life, but in practicing chelicity, they absolutely are. Um, mm-hmm. In this one context, they are they are a problem for us because we are so so attached to them, addicted to them, if you like. And I, we, I think we're so attached to them that we don't even realize it. Or so many people don't even realize it. Yeah, yeah. Going through uh, your like mind we said before, constantly active. We we try to come to conclusions we try to make judgments we try to categorize things and that habit in itself any of those three habits that i mentioned there will stop you achieving a state of chelicity mm. um you won't be able to do it if you try to do that um so you need to get rid of all of that so if that's what you mean by meditation getting rid of thinking uh let's 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 set, let's give it a rest. Don't think of getting rid of it permanently. Just say, let's give it a bit of a rest and do something else. Um, if that's what you think meditation means, then I agree with you. That's meditation is good for that. If you yeah. think meditation is more than that, then the more than bit may not be that helpful. May or may not be that helpful in understanding chelicity. Mm-hmm. Did you focus on your breath a lot? Uh, we know one of the practices you did. Well, you remember you asked me, I think, in one of the very early podcasts, did I make a lot of mistakes? Yes, I did, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was to focus on my breath too much. Too much, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when, when you say focus on, people, we as civilized people, we start thinking, that focus on, that means I look at it and I start analyzing it and thinking about it and all that stuff, which is the exact opposite of chelicity. Yeah. It's uh, a that's step on the way, because you're still thinking. Observe yourself. You- remember, you observe the animal. Now observe yourself in the same way. You observe, say, the hatog. Mm. If you want to call it a gossok, that you observe a gossok, you then you observe yourself in the same way, but in a state of chelicity. I don't mean as like I said, don't mean with a notebook writing down notes and yeah. thinking, well, I don't I don't like the colour of gossocks, you know, or something <laughs> like that, you know? It's um nothing like that. No judgments, no judgments, just absorb. Brilliant. Okay, so what is the second component on Chelicity? Let's get right into it. Well, as you know, Joe, the second component, a second component of Chelicity is what's what's known as Toshiltin. And we we do have, as you mentioned, I think one time in one of the podcasts, we have come up with... uh, Uh, What minute, Damon, and what second of which podcast? I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, But... And I wouldn't go to the bother of figuring it out, Joe, and putting it in the notes below. Which we can, we can <laughs> well, that would be it. using your baseline. You German. mentioned yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned um, you mentioned the word neoteny. Now, yes. in biology, neoteny is the <clears throat> preservation of juvenile characteristics in the adult of an animal of, of any given species. And um, we English, uh, sorry, human beings are 
to a certain extent, uh, very neotenous animals. Um, uh, our lack of of hair all over our bodies, our lack of any significant hair all over our bodies would be an example of that. Um, the young of many primate species, uh, they tend to have less hair when they're young and more hair when they're older. Um, also, um, one of the reasons that men find women attractive is the kind of um, baby fat that stays in their faces, gives them these attractive round faces. Um, that's another physically neotenous characteristic. So that's what neoteny means in in the bio, the world of biology. So we sort of co-opted this word for Toshiltine because it does it does relate to part of what Toshiltine is about. Toshiltine is about, as as you said, uh, a playfulness with the moment. Um, it's about um, it's about not being habitual um so the young of any animal including human beings they tend this do this thing we call play so in one sense toshaltine is like play they play with things um you know we for instance give a child a, a particular tool or, or some implement they may think of ways to use that for instance a ladle and a kettle yeah, they may think of other ways to use the ladle than simply to scoop the water into the kettle. For instance, I, I, uh, I teach I, te- I teach uh, kids full classrooms of kids doing uh, guitar, which is uh, interesting in itself. <laughs> but uh, thirty kids with guitars, you tend to notice things, and it's interesting. You know, they, they'll do everything but actually play the guitar. So they'll they'll twiddle all the knobs and they'll lick it. And <laughs> of they'll, course, they will. They'll pull the because... strings and they'll. Yeah, I'll because <laughs> they have a degree of Toshal Teen. Yeah. Now, to be a shaman, remember we said the vast majority of members of the population, even in an animistic community, aren't interested in what goes on underneath the bonnet of nature. You know, the metaphorical bonnet of nature, what goes yeah. on behind the scenes. But shamans are. How do shamans approach nature in order to get an idea of what does go on behind the scenes? Again, I don't just mean on the baseline. Top line, midline, baseline, branches and leaves, trunk of the tree, roots of the tree, all to get acting together, mind, mm-hmm. body, and spirit. Using all of those as one united entity, shamans approach nature with a spirit of neoteny, with a spirit of Toshaltin, with an experimental playfulness. Um, so one of the ways Toshaltin was introduced to me by one of my my guides, my my guides, human guides, not spirit guides. Um, was we were we were out one day in the going through the woods. There's like a stream, and I I said I'll, I, th- I said something like I'll try to find a way to get across the stream. Probably everybody's or most people have been in this situation. There's a stream. It was it was a fairly sizable stream. It was you know, you, if you go in, you're going to get very wet basically. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to find a way to cross the stream. And my my guide said no. Um. Basically, the, the idea was, or the idea that I was given, was there are many ways to cross the stream. Find them all. And so I, we spent, we spent I don't know, an hour or two um, finding paths across the stream, different ways of getting across the stream. We weren't analyzing it. We weren't standing on the bank 
And this, this is, this is here, here's another shamanistic technique. If you like this one's for Toshal team, find yourself a stream, but don't stand on the bank thinking. I don't know if you've seen those sort of team building exercises to get where they, they have <laughs> to figure out <laughs> how to, how to build a bridge across the river. We're not talking about building a bridge here. Yeah. Yeah. We're just talking about what the, the difference is along the bank I go. As soon as I find a way to get across or multiple ways to get across, I start playing with them, you know, or I start chucking rocks over or stuff. But there's, it's doing it in a state of chillicity, doing it without thought. And the, the thing that was really interesting to me by the time we'd finished this particular exercise was that I had set out, I know why I, I knew at the end why my guide, my teacher had said no. It seems like a strange thing to say. It's to most people that would be like, no, we don't want to go across the stream. But it was just the opposite. It was like, no, that's the wrong way to think about it. Don't find a way to get across the stream. Go and play with all the many ways there are to get across the stream. That's Toshal Teen. So this is a great shamanistic exercise. You find yourself a stream. And, you know, and, and at the end of this, I understood where the no came from. There were so many ways to get across this stream. It wasn't real. Do you know what so, struck me about yeah. that, though, is, is it sounded like you were having lots of fun as well. Uh, uh, we're definitely, it was thoroughly fun exercise, and I do this kind of thing a lot. Yeah, so it's not um, like you go off, oh, you know, oh, got across the stream, now I've got to find a million ways to do it. It's not like that. It's like, yeah, let's, okay, let's build a bridge out of stones. Uh, uh, let's let's cut down some thickets and play, yeah. you know, and it's like it's got this happiness to it yeah is that right yeah a fantastic and incidentally i mean there's lots of great locations to do this but there's uh in cornwall if anyone ever visits cornwall there's a place called galitha falls i could spend my life the rest of my life just finding ways to cross that stream or river um there's so much variety it's wonderful and and what this exercise what this technique teaches you is that human beings tend to think of nature as simple. It's like binary. Oh, either I can get across the stream or I can't, yeah? But mm. actually, the reality of nature is wonderfully and bewilderingly complex, and it's fantastic, and what a great way to practice your chelicity. Um So there you are. There's your first technique for practicing Torshal Teen. Find yourself a stream and start playing. <laughs> start Find playing. A stream. <laughs> I can always count yeah. on you to go with That's the most great- bizarre exercises. <laughs> There's fantastic. a great YouTube video um, which you might be able to look up. It's, um, it's an orangutan exhibiting Toshal Teen. Um, I think it's an orangutan. And there are two tiger cubs, like fairly old tiger cubs. They're not as young as the young. And this thing's, this thing's finding as many ways as it can to irritate these tiger it's cubs. <laughs> it's, uh, you've probably, I don't know if you've seen that one, but but basically this orangutan I've seen it. I've seen it. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> tweaking yeah. their hair. So there's mm-hmm. one you can put in the show notes. If ever you want to see... If ever you wanted to see a, a masterful demonstration of Toshal Teen, that video is it, yeah? So that's looking at the playful nature of Toshal Teen then. Yeah. So that's looking at the playful nature. So does that relate to the to to um with the moment section of playfulness with the moment? Of course, it's in the moment. You can't you can't do Toshal Teen with a desire for the future. Uh Toshal Teen is done with no desire no no desire for the future. And no thought or or clinging to the past. Toshotin, like Bart, is of the moment. Uh, like the whole of Chalisti, really, is, mm-hmm. is of the moment. Um, and the, the, but there are other ways to look at Toshotin. 
Um, another another exercise, shamanistic exercise. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I'd call this a technique. It's more of an exercise that will give you an idea about Toshiltinis. Uh, this is on a longer time scale, um, but it is of the moment because you have to be quick and you have to spot it. And it's quite difficult to spot. But but very often as people go through life, there are times when you will say something like, I'm not the kind of person who dot, 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 fill in whatever the dot is, yeah? Um, or I'm not Definitely. comfortable, dot, 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 dot. And, and whenever you say that, and you know that there are other people in the world who are very comfortable doing that thing, that you're not the kind of person who dot, 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 and, you know, or you're not comfortable doing dot, 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 then go and do it. Go and you do know it. what? I mean, a few years ago, I would say I am definitely not the kind of person who would start a podcast on, well, would start a podcast full stop, but start a podcast on shamanism. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I would never have thought that. And I would never have thought that I would be the kind of guy who would start a business full stop. So it's f- very, very interesting for me that you've just said that. And that's an aspect of Toshaltein. Yeah, so mm-hmm. in the moment, Toshaltein is of the moment, but that doesn't mean that it can't be influenced by stuff like that that you do on a, a longer time scale. Um, as, as I said, there are... There are things that I do. Remember, I, I talked about land art, mm. um, and land art again. Like you know, as I said, there's different types of land art. Land art is where you go out in the natural world and you make art out of nature. And and I'm kind of a you know, I don't know what land artists would say, but maybe I'm at one of the extremities of land art. I, I try to make art that looks like it could have happened yep. just through the the actions of nature. Yeah. But but in doing so, I don't have a grand vision in my mind about what it's going to end up like. Um, I could do that, but if I did that, then I wouldn't be practicing my chelicity. What I instead do is I, I do this land art just like I'll cross in the stream. I start playing with what's there, see what feels good, what, you know, very often I'm making a, some sort of sacred space, what you would call a sacred space for my shamanistic practice. Mm. I start playing with what's there, start moving things around. So this is not, you know, this is not me building a picture and, you know, everything's going perfectly into place. I just start playing. And it's definitely play. This word play is, is as close in English, I think, as we can get to to Toshaltine. Of course, the, the issue is that adults frown you know, adults who play, you know, imagine, you know, you're in a, you're in um, a business meeting mm. um, and you start pulling the guy next to you's ear to see what will happen or something like that. You know, uh, adults tend to frown on this kind of thing. And you, you probably, you probably uh, get chucked out of the business meeting if you start doing that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> but an orangutan will, will definitely have a go at that, you know, for instance, you know, so this is what we're batting social team they support each other they, mm. they're mutually supportive you, you need a good deal of bat you remember we we talked about not caring what people think of you very often to practice your social team you you need a good um well a- not caring what people think of you i mean that that's a big one for me as well because it's like um and i'm i, I would imagine it's the same for a lot of our listeners that anxiety you feel about going and talking to somebody new you know why do we feel that? What's that about? It should be more if if you if you if we had Toshaltein, we had a good amount of Toshaltein, it'd be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Boom. Playfulness with the moment. Just talk to them. 
doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter about the outcome. Involve them in what you're doing, <laughs> or yeah. at least give them the opportunity. Because what you're doing, you know, if you're if you're out practicing Toshal team, probably what you're doing is far more interesting than what they're doing. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I did interrupt you there. I do apologize. What were you no, saying? that's fine. That's fine. Um, so, you, so you can think of also just in general things that you do in a habitual way. Um, do the you could do them differently. Um, one of the, the the things for people who are left-handed, um, you know, or people who are right-handed, yeah, just do those things that you normally do with that hand with the other hand, mm. uh, and just just in a playful way. Um, not there's for any a, particular reason. That, you know. I, I I get what you're saying. There's like there's that background because somebody might listen to what you've just said there and just go, huh? Why? Why would you do that? And that's it. It's like, well, why not? <laughs> just it's, 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 it's <laughs> well. There's, there's, there's two answers to why. If you want a baseline answer to why, it's because in the process of having fun, in the process of doing this experimentation, you, this is a this is a baseline explanation. You are building your chelicity. That chelicity will build a foundation for further uh, layers of shamanism that you build on top of that. It will not just provide a foundation. It will be crucial to making those layers effective. So the answer to why you would do that is effective the effectiveness ultimately the effectiveness of your shamanism cool um you've alluded to this you've alluded to this but uh, everything we've talked about is connected right and by this i mean does working on your bat to some extent help with toshal teen they they mutually support each other is that correct absolutely yeah. Uh, all three do. They're, they're not different from each other. This is what you find through practicing them. When you, when I started out practicing these things, I I thought they were separate because they're presented to me as separate. But remember, yes. we said, yes. you know, this word Trinity. Yeah? Yes. The itty bit on the end means unity. They are one thing. They are it, not. They're three different ways of looking at exactly the same thing. It's interesting because when I first learned about it, uh, they felt felt very separate. And then the more I got to know them, the more I think, oh, hang on, exactly. no. But if you practice that, then then that develops as well. And if you practice bat, then your toshal team develops. And if you you know if you and and practicing those two obviously helps you with your gukach because that's. And, and that's your you practice, grace. That's that's, that's yeah. the skill that you develop over time. And as you start practicing the, the the techniques, the shamanistic techniques, for instance, the few we've described for Toshaltine, there there are many, many, many more. Mm-hmm. By its very nature, Toshaltine is a great one for coming up with ever more shamanistic techniques. Um, and there are a lot of ex- existing shamanistic, traditional shamanistic techniques that fall into the Toshaltine category. Do you, you find that whichever technique you practice, you start off thinking that that's its, for instance, you get baseline stuff again. Mm. Oh, this is a toshal teen technique. I'm working on my toshal teen. My focus is on my toshal teen. Then you get good at it or you practice it a lot and think, Hey, this is a bat technique as well. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's, it's a gukuk technique as well. <laughs> uh, they're all, all three. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. So, is there anything else you want to talk about with Toshal Teen? Is there anything else you want uh, to yeah. clarify? Yeah. Do you remember we were talking about um, we were talking about uh, people defining themselves through their values and how we find people with very strong values attractive in, in at a certain level, even sometimes historically, even sometimes when those values uh, the values themselves have been pretty reprehensible. Some people have still been attracted to those people on the basis that they offer solidity in a in a world where a lot of people are 
being made unsettled or uncomfortable, feel like they're not standing on solid ground because of the miasma. Yes. So, so another, yet another Toshiltine exercise or technique, uh, which a, a couple of my different teachers from different traditions have brought to my attention, um, or, or got me practicing. Um, these are, these are actually from different countries. So, so I think this is probably quite a, a, a useful, I, I guess you'd describe it as an esoteric technique. That is, you know, what we said about esotericism. Mm-hmm. Esotericism is the survival of shamanistic activity into a, into a settled and civilized society. It, it, it changes its nature. Um, and that is to actually become somebody different if you want for a day, have a holiday. Create a set of values that are not your own, and then go out and be the person who has those values for a day. Um, in some ways, this is like um, <laughs> we sort of jokingly one one time uh, myself. Uh, I don't know if you were involved. There was a few people then. We we jokingly came up with this I, I, this acronym XRPG, whereas you know, like role playing <laughs> games, um, yeah. role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, where you create a, a character sheet. And you fill in, I don't know, various their strength and their things. So, and you create different characters to play in the game. So we came up with this idea of an extreme role-playing game where you just literally create a real person um, and you go out and be that person who has a completely different set of values to you. Um, Toshaltine is, is a loving thing. There's a lot of love in Toshaltine. So it it's not, it's not, you don't want to be creating malicious somebody who's malicious or, or unpleasant or vengeful anything and nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, Toshaltine uh, has, you know, you know, kind of that love was that lyric. All you need is love, you know, and this <laughs> yeah. is said in shamanistic circles a lot. And it is true at a certain level. It is true at a certain level, but it's, it's, you know, oh, I forget what you call it. You call it the woo woo stuff. <laughs> you, you know, it's yeah. heavily associated with the woo woo stuff, but, create loving characters but create characters and then go and really be that person i guess a bit yeah, like don't just don't just play in a fake fictitious world yeah, you're actually not go and be that person. be that person yeah. have different values and again a bit like spirit animals you you go and be somebody who has different values from you literally mm-hmm. be that person don't pretend don't act be that person and then when you come back a bit like with the spirit animals when you've taken on a spirit animal and the shamanistic state is resolved you come back and then you see the world differently. You see the world slightly through the eyes of that spirit animal. This can be a very, very enlightening thing. As as you know, Joe, some of these, you know, this is something that I practice quite a lot in my life. And, and you know, some of those people on occasions I've, I've got so, so heavily attached to being that person that actually sometimes I prefer that person to me. <laughs> and uh, it's, um, because you can you can create somebody great, you can create somebody amazing. Yeah, I don't mean great in terms of what we what what we would say is great in in terms of you know successful or so. No, I'm not. That's that's nonsense in terms of shamanism. I mean somebody great, somebody who's more loving, somebody who's more open, yeah. somebody who's. I guess you know when we we get to talk about when we get into talking about what the the trigrams, the sixty four hexagrams, um, mean in terms of people. Um, 
I'm, I'm naturally somebody, we have to get onto that and we ain't got time now, but no. I'm naturally somebody who has a yang baseline. Naturally, I'm not the sort of person, there you go, there's that phrase again, talking about Tarshaltine, I'm not the sort of person <laughs> who goes around hugging people. But as you know, I'm probably the person who you know who hugs people more than anybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're purposefully addressing what you know is your nature and going, oh, hang on, let's play with it. Let's kind of do the opposite for a bit. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm naturally close. I say naturally. It's nothing natural no, about it. No, it's all. your it's upbringing, social, isn't it? It's your social I'm socially conditioned. conditionedly a closed person. So <laughs> yeah. I go around making a solid effort to be an open, warm, yeah. welcoming it's, person. It's interesting when you were talking about the animals because uh, a thought struck me, and that is um, our closeness to the bonobo chimps. I mean, um, yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, have I got that right? Because the yeah, bonobo, very interesting. Uh, but the bonobos are, are very playful creatures. They're very, very, they, one of their striking, um, characteristics is they do tend to be very playful a lot more than the other primates. So, yeah. you know, they're great bonobos. They're fantastic. Yeah. They, and, um, they're like so closely related to us and to chimpanzees, but their way of resolving problems of the three of us, you know, the three closest related of these, you know, the chimpanzees, the bonobos and us, they are the least reprehensible of the group. <laughs> they, <laughs> they solve their difficulties through love, through grooming, through sex. Sometimes they, they solve their, they solve all of their difficulties or a large proportion of their difficulties through loving activity. It's fantastic. I yeah. love bonobos. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. Um, well, I'll ask you again. Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, or should, we, should we call it a do there? That's good. Thanks, Joe. All right. Great stuff. So uh, next week, I guess we'll uh, maybe kick the episode off with a bit more on um, Toshaltine if we need to. And if not, we'll, we'll, we'll go on to Gukach and have a bit of a chat about that. Um, so yes, until, indeed. yeah, until next time. Yeah. See you next week. Thanks a lot. Cool.